The Big Apple, the city that never sleeps, Gotham. City so nice they named it twice. I can only be talking about one place in this great big world, New York City. But what makes the city, the city? This is chapter 181 of the WCBS Author Talks podcast. I'm Lisa Chankovich, and this week we're chatting with author Craig Taylor, whose new book about New York is a portrait of the events that have shaped the city over the last 20 years, as seen through the eyes of the people who have survived and thrived during those trying times. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Get closer. The biggest debate amongst New Yorkers isn't where to find the best bagels or if you'd ever cross town through Times Square. For the record, the answer to those questions are Oasis Bagels in Queens and forget about it. Nope, the surefire way to get someone going is to ask what defines a real New Yorker. You'd likely get as many answers as there are people in the city. For his new book, New Yorkers, A City and Its People in Our Time, author Craig Taylor moved to New York and spent years talking with hundreds of people from every background, age, ethnicity, and borough to really get a sense of what makes us tick and why we've stayed despite the enormous challenges we've faced. As someone born and raised in New York City, I totally understand wanting to write a book about how great the city and its people are. But why did you want to come to New York and write about the city through the eyes of the people who call it home? I had done a a book in 2012 called Londoners, and uh, I had interviewed almost 200 Londoners while I was living over there for 13 years. And then I was given this chance to come to New York City and speak to 200 New Yorkers. And it just seemed like it would be incredibly foolish to to pass that up. I think you've probably talked to more New Yorkers and been to more neighborhoods than I myself have living here all my life. Well, it was a good reason to travel because I had been to New York many times, but I realized how confined my experience of it was. And and this project meant I had to go. I just had to reach all of these different uh, areas, different neighborhoods, different parts of New York I'd never seen before. So so that was yet another reason why it was just such an exciting project to, to embark on. Daunting, but exciting. You spoke to so many people from so many different walks of life. Cops, firefighters, teachers, nurses, cab drivers, lawyers. I mean, the list goes on. Is there anyone you wanted to talk to while you were here but never got a chance to? Well, I was really interested in the world of the super rich in New York. I think everyone is interested in the world of the super rich, but they often don't really want to talk. They don't really want to get in touch. They won't answer your calls. So I ended up speaking to the people who service the super rich, the nannies, and the personal chefs and the personal staff and the tutors. And that to me seems like this very fascinating way to, to look at the world of the of the very rich in New York through this particular prism. Um, and they seem to know much more and have more opinions about that world than perhaps someone who is living it might have. I think that chapter was probably my favorite chapter only because it seems so audacious that these were the stories that you were hearing and that they were telling you. Yeah, it was sort of unbelievable. I just don't come from that background. And so hearing from a uh, from a nanny who's who's talking about, you know, just how sealed away some of these children are, these incredibly rich children, and how, you know, we look at them with envy sometimes, the rich of New York, but we get to live this life that's that's more engaged, that's more in the mix. We are 
there is always your other in New York, no matter who you are. And the nanny I spoke to said this great thing about acclimatizing yourself to the other, being around people who aren't like you, and and learning about humanity in that way. And that's something that the that the ultra rich do not do. They don't they don't get to be in that mix in the same way. They choose not to be. So yeah, it was fascinating talking to talking to the staff. The other chapters in your book really focus on some of the biggest events this city has experienced in the last twenty years. We're talking. 9-11, Sandy, Occupy Wall Street, the Black Lives Matter movement, even the COVID-19 pandemic. Are these things you actively sought to talk to people about or did they just come up in your conversations because they're so much a part of who the city is and who the people in the city are? Definitely both. Um, I knew starting off that I wanted to explore New York's recent history, the last 20 years. Um, but as you say, you just cannot get away from, from these topics in conversation and it just seemed like while I was researching and speaking to people that there was this type of resilience in New York that that was almost divided in two there were the big ticket resilience that you saw after these huge events so I spoke to uh, a man who was helping drag his daughter through the floodwaters of Sandy um, tied to her wrist with a sweatshirt and I spoke to a 9-11 cop who to this day is dealing with a degenerative nerve disease because of the toxins that he encountered. So I knew those those types of stories were there. I was very lucky to speak to such eloquent individuals. But there was another kind of eloquence, too, that spoke about the smaller resilience, the sort of day-to-day resilience in the city. And that, I found... Um, was almost just as important as all of these big events that New York had been has been through. So the person that sticks out for me is a, a recycler, a can collector, uh, who walks up and down the length of Manhattan collecting cans. His name's Elliot Carter. And for, for me, he personified this other type of resilience, um, just getting by, making it work in the city, which is which is very important to portray as well. How did you link up with the people you talked to? I didn't know what to do when I first uh, when I first arrived. It's daunting, you know. You're surrounded by all these people quickly walking past you, and uh, how do you how do you do it? So I had this list of verbs, um, this big long list that I had downloaded somewhere, and I applied them to New York City. And so there, you know, there would be cutting New York and cleaning New York and policing New York and dreaming New York and these these verbs that led to action, and it meant that I could just go out and hopefully find people that were enacting these verbs. And so I wanted people to talk about what they did in the city. I didn't really want people musing on the place, but um, that helped me because then you knew what to do. Uh, I knew what I could do on any given day. I could just get up and try to find someone who was who was cleaning New York, you know. You touched on resilience before, and there have been more than a few articles written in the last year lamenting that New York City is dead because of the pandemic and everything that that's meant to the city. What do you think about that? I just think that New Yorkers are too well-versed in resilience to allow something like that to happen. It just, you know, it just it just won't happen. It just doesn't happen, and it hasn't happened before, and it won't happen this time. Um, I spoke to one guy. I, I vividly remember him saying, you know, I will leave New York if something serious happens. But, you know, a pandemic, a terrorist attack, a financial crisis... 
those aren't the things that are going to push me out of the city. And so what I saw in speaking to hundreds of New Yorkers was this constant balance. What will make me leave? What will offset all the pleasure and the satisfactions that I get from from being here? And for so many people, the city just provided too much to to ever want to leave. And sure, this is an incredibly, incredibly tough time for New York, but I just don't see it being a deserted wasteland. I just don't see that happening. Tell me about Joe, whose story and life really struck a chord with you while you were here. Joe is a is a veteran, a Vietnam veteran, um, who I met uh, via a wonderful service, a, a meal that gets served um, on 16th Street uh, called the Welcome Table. Um, Joe, at the time, was living on the street. Uh, he had an incredibly tough um, life at the time, and I was interested in obviously talking to people who were energized by New York and sort of enlarged by New York and, and felt its power and became something greater and enjoyed their time here. But I was also um, interested in speaking to people who were feeling the more punitive edge of New York. And and Joe was certainly someone um, who was feeling that. And uh, he was able to talk very candidly about living on the street. Um, to me, we got to know each other over the course of a few years. He came to live with me um, many times over that over that period. And and so a kind of friendship emerged out of that, and I certainly learned more about about that life, about being on that level in New York, living outside, dealing with post-traumatic stress, all of these issues that, that we see and we pass by on the streets um, every day. It was, uh, it was a very humbling experience for me to, to be able to go into the life of, of someone like that and, and have him describe it in his own words. It obviously had such an impact on you because in in the book itself, the way you structure it, his story is a story that it repeats as we transition through these stories about the city and the different things we've gotten through. Yeah, I really wanted to have a continuing through line that involved my own experience um, of the city. And that's just how it turned out. Um, this this friendship, this encounter with this incredible individual was the, was the through line throughout it. And... Uh, and it allowed me a chance to speak a bit about my own sense of, of what New York was doing to me, how I was encountering it, how I was loving it and, and struggling with it sometimes. And so, um, yeah, it, it, it became a scene that, that um, recurred throughout the book. He became someone who came came back again and again. And, and the book ends with the two of us, too, just there in New York. <laughs> how did your time in this city change who you are? Well, there's no there's no better way to learn. You know, I knew that I would learn very practical things. If you go and speak to hundreds of New Yorkers, you learn where to get good bagels. You learn, you know, of a lot of very practical things. But I didn't really expect that I would start learning deeper and and more significant lessons, um, much to do about about life, about how to be a human being. Um, I was told again and again, just. Uh, just about these instances where one has to be compassionate in the city, where one has to stretch a hand across the chasm and, and help your fellow New Yorker. And and uh, hearing that from, from people, from a subway conductor who held the hand of a woman as she as she died on his platform, of of people working in incredible jobs, unsung jobs, I think um, I think I learned a lot of um, of deeper life lessons that I wasn't expecting, just about how to be a, a good human being and how to live a good New York life, which is one of the best types of life <laughs> lives anyone can, can really live. I don't think I'd argue with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs>
And it also, it's, it's interesting that you bring up New Yorkers as compassionate and always willing to reach out a hand because I think that goes against the stereotype that a lot of people who aren't from New York have, which is that we're, we're rude and we're brisk and we're brusque and we're always trying to get somewhere really fast and don't have any time for you. Well, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be um, a sense of that. But I come back to the subway conductor who I thought summed it up beautifully. He said, you know, if someone in my car had a problem, had a heart attack, had if there, if there was something going on, everyone around would get involved. Everyone would immediately be there to help. But if you went to the next car, he would often encounter a bunch of people saying, oh, God, can't they get the body off the train? You know, I got to get going. So... So there was a sense of both, you know, of, of a city that was uh, hurtling forward at its own incredible pace. But if you were called upon, um, if it happened, you you did reach out. There were just so many, so many stories of, of people pulling others out of floodwaters, of, of people just, just constantly um, exercising this type of compassion that that seems to exist in New York. And I found again and again. I've personally been on both of those subway cars. What do you think New Yorkers like me who think they know their city backwards and forwards and knows everything there is to need to know will learn from this book? Well, I just think it's a it's a chance to introduce yourself to other New Yorkers, especially at this time. I mean, I'm not going to be telling any born and bred New Yorker or anyone who's been in the city for years what they don't necessarily know. But but if but I think that most New Yorkers are kind of like me. They they walk the streets and they get on the subway and they look around at the other people and often think, who is that? Like, what is your life like? What is your experience like? What brought you here? Why do you look that way? Why do you act that way? And, and um, if anything, these books just try to provide this kaleidoscopic view of the city and and introduce these voices and so so even those who live in the city and love it can just get to know the people around and and i think after being locked away after after not being able to experience the kind of beauty of the sidewalks of the choreography the physical choreography of of new york i hope that people will turn to the book and, and realize that it's a celebration of of all those things of the proximity that one gets in this city the proximity to to greatness and, and weirdness and wonderfulness and everything in between. I know when I was reading the accounts in this book, I got a kick out of every time you spoke to someone who either thinks the same way I do about something or acts the same way I do, or you mention places I know. So it was really a fun little treasure hunt for me to come across these, these, little, these little nuggets spread out throughout the book. And I also learned something new. Um, I will say I never knew so much about NYCHA elevators before. Yeah, a lot of people come back to attack to the uh, elevator repairman, and I certainly did not know that that New York could be sort of divided up in in some ways between how people act in their respective elevators. Um, but that's that's the beauty of hearing from these people and their expertise. No one wants to hear from me and what I think about New York. I am, you know, just this Canadian who was who is there. But uh, but I think people do want to learn about what it's like to be in those elevator shafts. They do want to know what it's like to be a lice consultant dealing with this lice that's that's changed over the last 30 years, just as, you know, just as people have changed over the last 30 years. So, so I think these professions um, are just inherently fascinating and i hope that that born and bred new yorkers will feel that way too you have london under your belt you now have new york under your belt is there another city and its people who you have set your sights set on 
No way. This this is it. I think <laughs> um, these are two of the great cities, the truly global cities, and I um, I love both dearly. You know, these books were excuses to be in these places, to live there, to have a life there. So I'm I'm not sort of looking to go to Fort Lauderdale or, or Tulsa or places like that in between. But uh, yeah, I just don't think you can get uh, a more um, profound experience than these two cities. And so I, I don't really want to keep uh, chasing <laughs> chasing that. I know that, that nothing really tops them. Have you gotten reaction from people who have read it and have maybe told you, hey, you missed this story, you really should have spoken to, you know, X, Y, or Z? Absolutely. And, and these, these books are always exercises in failure. And I think that's an important thing. You know, you, you begin a project like this and think, I will somehow capture everything about a place. But that's just that's just impossible. And um, and so there's always failure. There's always someone coming up and saying, you know, you should have had this. You should have you should have included this type of person or and I think that's a that's a great thing because you know it just shows that this how generous the city is it's it's always going to be more than one book or one writer or one life can can take in and and that was kind of a consoling thought too like I got very envious reading previous books about New York and 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 those previous versions of the city the way they were described the experience these writers had but then I thought you know Joseph Mitchell never got to talk to this individual like he didn't get to walk down this street or 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 be in this situation so you get the new york of your time and and you just have to kind of work with it and and i feel like although everyone's always complaining that that if it was better back then um your own incarnation of new york is is so important and 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 provides so much at least that's how i felt one final question before i let you go maybe you can settle this age-old debate how long does it take you to earn the title of real New Yorker? I always gave that to the people themselves. I mean, I love that phrase because of how people react to it. I met someone who had been in the city a week at Tops, and he was already considering himself a New Yorker. And and then I met people who just didn't think about it or were too busy or were too attached to their home country or just didn't didn't want to go near that term. And then, of course, you know, those who were born and bred and and – and to leave the city even for a weekend was a kind of defeat. And, and so I, I loved placing that, that phrase, New Yorker, in front of people to see how they would react, how they would claim it. It's not up to me to say you are or you're not, um, but I love to see how people forge their own relationship to the, to the phrase New Yorker. We've been talking with Craig Taylor. The new book is New Yorkers, A City and Its People in Our Time. Thank you so much for writing about the city I know and love so well. Thank you, really. Thanks so much, Lisa. And that's where we close the book on this chapter. Next time around, it's a psychological thriller that will leave you wondering if all those home security devices really keep you safe or just make you more paranoid. Until then, use your technology for good to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WCBS ADD Books. I'm Lisa Cherkovich. <laughs>